Hello, and welcome to Podhead, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest on all things cannabis culture, while answering the question, what does cannabis mean to Canadians? It's a love-hate relationship that has been growing for decades. Cannabis is more than a drug. For some, it's a Hail Mary. And for others, it's just something fun to do on a Friday night. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to researcher and scientist Dr. Tara Elton Marshall on the effects and influence of cannabis on government policy and mental health. She shared with me her latest findings, as the data suggests an overall increase in usage and curiosity. I'm your host, Mariah Caruso. Hello. Hello? Hi. Just so you know, before we get started, so I'm not a clinician. Yes. So my area of expertise is really around the policy aspect of cannabis and um, and survey-related data, so what we know in terms of prevalence, that kind of thing. Okay. But I can try to answer your questions as much as possible, but just there may be others that can be that you might want to reach out for for some of the more health effects. Will do. Stuff. Yeah. Um, I had the brief a uh, chance. I read your bio on CAMH, and I understand you okay. work with um, the disparities in health and mental health as well. Is that a, an area to touch on? Yep. Tell me a little bit about what you do at CAMH, Tara. Sure. So I'm a scientist in the Institute for Mental Health Policy Research at CAMH, um, and so my work focuses on looking at uh, the impact of substance use policies. That's a big part of it. Um, so, for example, we recently just got uh, major funding from uh, the Canadian Institutes for Health Research, so one of the major uh, health funders in Canada, uh, to look at the impact of cannabis legalization in Ontario. So we'll be part of a larger group across Canada where we will link in data that we're seeing in Ontario to those in other provinces. Amazing. Anything to share this early in the game? No, we just got funded, but we do have um, some initial findings um, within Ontario from our student survey. So I'm co-lead on the Ontario Student Drug Use and Health Survey, or OSBIS, okay. which is led out of CAMH. And this is a provincially representative survey of adolescents, so um, adolescents in grades 7 to 12. And we um, just reported on the first... Um, initial impacts of cannabis legalization. So we had looked at adolescents back in 2017 before legalization and then and then last year, in the last school year, and um, we didn't find a significant increase in overall ca- cannabis prevalence. So um, in 2017, about 19% of adolescents said they'd used cannabis in the last year, and then uh, in 2019, it was 22%. So it was numerically a little bit larger, but Statistically, there was no significant difference. It's important to note that we were in the field right after legalization happened or, or while it was still rolling out. It was a really slow rollout because, uh, you know, there was the cannabis online store for a while only and then some stores mm-hmm. came in, but only in certain jurisdictions. So it will be really important for us to go back and look um, later on. Uh, but we also found <clears throat> that some of the ways that youth are using cannabis are going up. So we did see an increase in the use of edibles. Mm-hmm. 
um, between 27 and 2019, so it went from 11 to 14 percent, and high rates of uh, or higher rates of cannabis vaping, so it doubled between 2015, so it went from 5 percent, and 2019 it was 10 percent. I think that it's important to note that it's you know the overall prevalence rate um, don't they they mask the differences that happen between the different grades, so we definitely see cannabis use. Uh, is higher in higher grades. So, for example, 40% of grade 12 students report using cannabis in the last year. Curious to know, too, why you do what you do. Uh, why mental health and why CAMH, Tara? I think I just it's something that I really care about, and I think that there's a lot of um, evidence that is needed, especially as we're starting to have all these new policies that are coming out and we don't necessarily know the impact. And I really like to be able to provide data that can... Um, make sure that we're uh, the, the, the policies that are in place are uh, not having a negative impact and if they are, you need information back in to be able to tweak those policies to have a better impact. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about the programs and other research you're involved with about substance abuse and addiction. Uh, so I'm also part of the Canadian Research and Substance Abuse Project, so that's called CRISM in um, Ontario, we're coordinating several projects, um, and it involves a network of people across the province focused on substance use, and um, and so that can be anything from service providers to uh, people who are researchers, but also people with lived experience, so people who actually use drugs. And we're uh, bringing that group together across Ontario to decide what are some gaps in the current systems in terms of programming and policy and uh, research and try to um, address those gaps. What are your um, personal thoughts on that, on the gaps in the industry? Uh, in ter- on the gaps in terms of what research is yes. there? Yes. Yeah. What are we lacking? What are we omitting from the data? Well, I think for the obvious one for me is the, is the cannabis issue. We don't know anything about the impact. There's a lot we still don't know because up until now, it was really hard to do uh, cannabis research because you had to get exemptions from Health Canada. Hmm. So uh, now that it's legalized, there's a lot more opportunity to be able to get better research and to better understand what's going on. So that's why the research we'll be conducting uh, that just got funded will be really exciting because we'll be able to actually see the impact and feed that information back in. We're working directly with someone at the Ministry of Health to be able to make sure that our evidence has uh, impact. As a scientist with the use of cannabis, what is your mission and your goal with what you study, your discipline? Oh, I guess just to better understand the, to better understand what's happening in terms of policy and in terms of potential health and mental health effects and then be able to, um, to feed that back in to have an impact. So we want to understand both the positive and the negative consequences of, of legalization, if there are any, and and then make sure that we have the best policies available. Awesome. And what has the greatest influence of cannabis been on mental health, do you believe, since its inception in October? I think it's too soon to know, really. Um, we're just trying to start to understand all of that. And, and you know, the, the research out there as I said, it's fairly minimal. So, you know, we know there are some associations between cannabis use and um, some mental health outcomes, such as depression and anxiety um, and psychosis, but um, sometimes we, it, it's difficult to know 
particularly with depression and anxiety, to what extent uh, cannabis use might come first or the depression and anxiety might come first um, and, and better longitudinal data, so following people over time to see how things um, emerge are, is really needed. Awesome. And you've shared several programs that you're involved with, uh, and that's so fascinating. And seeing as you're an expert on the disparities of health on a wide spectrum with a focus on equity, what are your goals for the future of policy and change in regards to cannabis? So we will be looking at um, equity issues as part of our looking at the legalization. So we want to know, you know, it's one thing to see what a policy is having in terms of its effects, but it's also really important to look at the subgroups. So, for example, there could be gender differences in, in the impact of policy, and it's really important to, to examine those and, and see if there are potential uh, differences biologically between males and females in terms of their responses to cannabis, but also, and potential impacts such as mental health outcomes, but also to look at potential um, issues related to gender specifically. So, for example, if you had a, a smoke-free law related to cannabis, uh, in a in a multi-unit dwelling, um, would it have more impact on females if females are more likely to use, to live in multi-unit housing? Those kind of things. Interesting. Um, and then, of course, there could be uh, uh, differences by ethnicity, right, or by um, d- different groups, and so it will be important to understand it and understand potential cultural reasons why there could be differences and, and those kind of things. So, in essence, um, funding is crucial to make sure that <clears throat> these research methods and practices could be could be seen, could be evident. Yeah. Who do you? Yeah, and the nice, yeah, the good thing is, I will say that the the government has committed funding, and that's that's how we were able to get funding for this project. Okay, good to know. Uh, what's the connection, or rather, misconception between, and this is a heavy one, alcohol, tobacco, and cannabis? Well, okay, so what we saw in our recent study was the perceptions of risks of harm from cannabis has declined over time. Um, And so I think it's important for people to understand that just because it's legal doesn't mean it's completely safe. There Mm. are some risks. Um, And there there have been guidelines that have been developed, such as the lower risk cannabis use guidelines, um, that that are really helpful to, to help people understand where it, uh, their use of cannabis might be more of a risk compared to where they may be able to take steps that make the risk smaller. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of alcohol, I think it's been very normalized, obviously. Right. And so people don't necessarily see the risks of alcohol use either, but we're seeing um, increases in alcohol attributable um, risks and, and mortality and seeing those risks increasing particularly among females so it's something to to, um, watch out about and then tobacco I think people generally have an awareness of the harm by now of tobacco and so we've actually seen that um, the rates of smoking are the lowest that they've ever been in our surveys Wow. Um, yeah at five percent but what we're seeing instead is that people are moving towards e-cigarettes yes and and this is where there's it's very tricky because people think that it's not harmful. Um, now, it is the case that we know that, based on the available evidence to date, that e-cigarettes are less harmful than cigarettes, but they're, they don't come without any harm. So they, they, um, 
they contain chemicals that can be very harmful. They, they often contain nicotine and sometimes at much higher rates than cigarettes. And so there's a concern that it can be particularly um, addictive. And so especially when we're seeing dramatic increases among young people, right. uh, that is, that's a concern. Could you highlight some of the pros and cons of cannabis for the audience? I mean, that's so hard for me to say, right? Because I, I think that there's still so much research that we need to know to be able to say particularly this is a pro or this is a con. Right. Well, perhaps yeah. maybe some of the misconceptions that people are unaware of uh, the, the potential uh, usage for cannabis or abuse of it anyway. Um, I, I just think that, that overall that it's completely harmless, right? And we know in particular that uh, people who may be at risk for psychosis, it's not a good idea to use cannabis, like if you have a family history, for example. Uh, we also know that it, it isn't great for the de- developing brain. So one of the lower cannabis use guidelines recommends that people delay their uh, initial use of cannabis as much as long as possible and especially before the age of 16. Um, We know that there are risks in terms of how you consume cannabis. So if you smoke cannabis, you're at greater risk because of uh, respiratory issues than if you were to say consume edibles. Right. Yeah. How does CAMH support your research? Um, So we have a number of, a lot of colleagues working on this area. So the grant that I mentioned is a team grant. So uh, it's composed of many people across CAMH in different areas working together on this issue. So it's a really great environment for that. Um, There's a lot of research happening in this this area. So for example, one of my colleagues is doing research on um, cannabis and driving. So they actually... um, administer cannabis and have people use a driving simulator to see the impacts of cannabis on driving. Hmm. Um, yeah, and then we have these regular surveys, the one I, I discussed, the Ontario Student Drug Use and Health Survey, where we look are able to monitor trends over time for adolescents and feed that back into the ministry, but also um, we have an adult survey, um, so we're able to look at cannabis use among people 18 years and older. Yeah. Um, and then, and then also at Can- uh, at, at CAMH, um, there's another section where um, in provincial services and support programs where they've received um, funding from Health Canada to start a champion circle of uh, knowledge users across Canada focused on uh, cannabis, like a council. So actually, yeah. So so they're actually um, hosting a forum today. Uh, about cannabis and they, they're bringing in, you know, people from, for example, uh, the nurses associations and medical professionals, but also the Canadian Centre for Substance Abuse and, and people all over the, the country that are really interested in understanding what's going on and having up-to-date knowledge about cannabis because everyone's still trying to kind of learn about it. Right. So it's another aspect of, of CAMH where they're supporting um, taking the research to the people that actually need to use it. All right, Tara, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too, bye.